Hi, this is Mike Mueller, and you're listening to the Urban to Country podcast. Welcome to the Urban to Country podcast, where we talk to outdoor enthusiasts about life, hunting, and how to make everyday epic. Well, welcome back to the show, folks. I am here today with my good friend, Mike Mueller from the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. Mike, say hi to the folks. Hey, Marcus. Great to be here with you and spend some time with you today. I appreciate you making the long drive over from Missoula. Um, The weather's been fortunately cooperative for you, so that's good. Yeah, I uh, wasn't sure if I was going to make the trip. I almost uh, felt like I needed to hook up the dogs and the sled to start over from (laughs) Missoula. It was really coming down hard. Oh. Yeah. Well, I am so glad you were able to make it. Why don't you tell everybody a um, little bit of your background, who you are, and what you do for the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation? You bet. I'd be glad to. Well, yeah. So, again, uh, Mike Mueller is my name, and I'm the Senior Lands Program Manager with the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. And you know what, Marcus? I was hired by one of the founders, uh, Bob Munson. And one of the first COOs, Gary Wolf, back in 1989. And I'm really proud of that, you know, coming on with the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation when they were so young, five years old. And I still remember that first trip to Missoula, Montana. I'd never been to Montana before. Um, And uh, what a thrill it was. When I was hired in 1989, um, it was May of 1989, and they were doing all that historic work north of Yellowstone National Park. Mm -hmm. And I remember they were having a five-year anniversary at our old headquarters on Broadway in Missoula. And um, the Nelson family was there, and and, uh, the Fish Line Parks director, the governor, and a few others. It was so exciting because I watched uh, during the celebration as the Nelson family thanked the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, volunteers and members, the state and federal agencies, and everybody for finding the resources and the time to help them conserve their uh, ranch. And you know what, Marcus? That is now the uh, Dome Mountain Wildlife Management Area. No way. So it, That's very cool. It, it, it's not, it wasn't all made up of the Nelson family, but it was one of the landowners. And we just recently, believe it or not, working with the Conservation Fund, finished another small piece of the Nelson family property that was left inside of the Dome Mountain Wildlife Management Area. So when that 1989 project happened, I think there was a right of first refusal or some kind of an agreement or discussion that if they were ever going to sell that little piece inside there, that uh, I think there's actually a conservation easement on it, uh, that they would sell it and uh, uh, we'd have an opportunity to buy it and make it part of the WMA. And that, that just recently happened, and the conservation fund stepped in and, I think, bought it. There's a conservation easement on it. It's going to go to Fish Valley and Park, so uh, the easement will be assigned to the Elk Foundation to hold, and then the property will go to the uh, Fish Valley and Parks, and it'll you know, kind of finish up some of that work of the Dome Mountain Wildlife Management Area from 30 years ago. Good grief. That's anyway, incredible. So I, I uh, got off track there, but you reminded me of that uh, when I was hired back in 1989. Um, 
kind of came full circle. But <laughs> yeah, so I'm the lands program manager and I work in the lands and conservation department, of course. And I cover at this point, cover the state of Montana and work a little bit over North Dakota once in a while. But um, I do a little bit of everything. I really focused uh, on working with private landowners uh, when there's opportunity to, to purchase property or do conservation easements or donations or exchanges. And then I work, of course, as you know, a lot with state and federal partners, you know, with those projects. And right. But then I do a lot of other things, um, do a lot of speaking engagements, some writing, a lot of fundraising and presentations like the one we're doing this evening with the Helena Hunters and Anglers group, uh, sharing information about projects. And a lot of projects today, of course, as you know, with uh, emphasis on access to public lands. Right. Yeah. So that's that that's my job. And uh, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, no, you seem like you have a, a great job and you have a fun time doing it and you have a great presenting style and um, yeah, I've I've got to sit in on a, a bunch of mics for the people listening. I've got to sit in on a bunch of mics uh, presentations lately because our paths have been crossing on all these public access projects, which is pretty incredible that uh, there's so much good work going on. That's right. Maybe uh, touch a little bit on the, the overall mission of RMEF because that, that is pretty foundational to what we're going to talk about today. Absolutely. Well, yeah, the mission of the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation is to share the future of elk, other wildlife, and their habitat, and our hunting heritage. Of course, we're a wildlife conservation group that's supported by conservationists, and the majority of those conservation, of course, are hunters and uh, a lot of other folks that uh, uh, just enjoy the outdoors and recreation, recreating on public and private lands. But um, so the Elk Foundation, you know, there's like uh, some primary areas that we work in. One is land conservation, and that's, of course, uh, my area, and a lot of fun there. Um, but we also do a lot of stewardship work. Um, so every state that has elk in it, uh, we have a project advisory committee that is made up of experts in the state, um, like from the Forest Service, uh, the BLM, or um, other some of the other federal agencies uh, w- when it's appropriate. Um, the state wildlife management agencies, a lot of times universities, um, um, and then, of course, representatives from the Elk Foundation staff, and then, of course, the state chairman and, and those. But um, when it comes to stewardship, we have these project advisory committees in each elk state that um, project proposals come to, and uh, that group of individuals who... Um, uh, really love uh, love this kind of work and take this this uh, um, responsibility really seriously. They look at all these projects coming in and then figure out how the, to best spend the Elk Foundation money. And those projects that they'd be looking at would be research projects, uh, habitat type projects, uh, management projects, um, conservation education projects, water development, controlled burns, all those kinds of things. Plus, they do some state grant uh, projects too. But um, so that's a major area, along with land conservation, is that stewardship part of it. And sure. a yeah. lot of people think that that's just as important as land conservation, and it is really important. We have to take care of the habitat and manage it uh, appropriately. Um, myself, I always love the idea that we conserve the habitat when the opportunities arise, because we can always do stewardship if you have the habitat. So I like to right. see us conserve the habitat and then do the stewardship. But on the other hand, when it comes to a lot of a, the public and private lands, stewardship also is really, really important to uh, 
to keep it in good shape for the for the wildlife and uh, all the things that depend on it. And then two other areas is of course elk reintroduction in those states where there's habitat and you know the uh, um, the support for reintroducing. Uh, uh, elk in some of their historic elk range and we've been doing a lot of that here recently again uh, now that CWD has um, you know uh, uh, that situation has gotten a little bit better in some ways so there's some elk reintroductions happening um, and supplementing even some of those earlier elk reintroduction efforts like in Wisconsin right Um, and then the last thing is conservation education which we know is all really important. Um, and we do that through a lot of thing, a lot of ways, um, through the Bugle and supporting uh, different uh, organizations that do con ed, uh, educational activities out in the field, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And then part of that, or I should say a really important part of that, or you might even call it a, a separate area, is doing things with hunting heritage, promoting our hunting heritage as best we can through lots of different types of grants, um, supporting archery shoots or uh, public education boosts, things like that on the importance of hunting heritage. So, yeah, I think I covered them all, but, yeah, yeah. those are some major areas that we that we try to accomplish our mission in. Yeah, I think that was a good summary. And I appreciate you doing that because I think sometimes folks see Army F as the banquets and that kind of is you know the the big thing out there that people see but there's so much going on other than those banquets that is really important and um just incredible i watched the video on the elk reintroduction into west virginia recently and and talk about a cool thing to to see all these people and they talk in that film about how we have elk river and elk canyon and all these things named after elk and where all the elk and then you know to to start to work on reintroducing elk into an area like that there's a lot that rmef does that is is critical for conservation and wildlife and uh it's that summary was good because i think that really highlighted a lot of what you guys are doing and isn't it interesting we're right here in god's country in montana right Mm -hmm. and we have elk and we have elk country and we're so just uh blessed and fortunate to be living here and then you look back east, whether, as you were mentioning, there used to be elk, you know, across that part of the United States, and then they were, then they disappeared uh, uh, for various reasons, you know, 100, 150 years ago, whatever it was. The fact that they're putting elk back in some of their native ranges, as you mentioned, in Virginia and other places, this is historic. That's epic. Yeah. When you think about that, um, we're putting elk back in some of their historic native ranges. That 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 is just huge. That that is such a huge conservation story, you know. And yeah. and, and it's happening because of uh, hunters, you know, and fundraising yep. and groups like the Elk Foundation and other partners, state and federal partners working together. That's just huge. It's amazing. <laughs> well, and speaking of partners working together, let's talk about the Falls Creek Project. That's why we're here today. There's an amazing project happening here in Montana, just, what, 40, 50 minutes from where mm-hmm. we're sitting right now. And uh, Mike's been working tirelessly to get this done. So talk to us about the Falls Creek Acquisition Project, Mike. You betcha. Um well, the Falls Creek acquisition is located over on the uh, the Rocky Mountain front. It's, uh, let me guess here, 25, 20, 25 miles southwest of Augusta, uh, west of Augusta on the front there. Along, It's located along the Dearborn River. And, um, wow, 
you know, as I s mentioned earlier, I've been doing this for over 30 years, and every once in a while, all the projects are special, but every once in a while you get a project that just just surfaces that is uh, just has it all. First of all, I, I, I would just start with uh, the owner of the property, the Dan Barrett and Wyatt Barrett, the, you know, Dan and his family. Um, they put this property up for sale with Taylor Realty over in the front, and uh, um, this property has been on my radar and, and others' radar it, it, because we said if it ever came up for sale, it'd be a great one to jump on. Yeah. Um, and so uh, Dan had listed it, and uh, I found out from Brian Golley with Fishwell and Parks. You know, our Fishwell and Parks folks, they just have such great relationships with the private landowners. And a lot of times I get my leads from those guys because they're out there d working with the landowners all the time. I got a call from Brian Golley and said, uh, you know, Mike, um, I don't know how to do this, but we need to talk because this is on the market now. We need, to, we need to jump on this one. So we went over to Augusta at Taylor Realty and... Um, sat down with Dan and began the long process, uh, Marcus, of explaining how something like this might work. Because, you know, when you're sitting down with a broker and a landowner that's got property for sale, they're interested in one thing. <laughs> <laughs> what, what is that, Mike? <laughs> and I didn't take the checkbook, if you know what I mean. <laughs> but uh, it, takes qu it takes quite a while to uh, just go through the process and, and have the private landowner uh, understand that, first of all, uh, you know, out there, Marcus, a lot of people think we're just doing projects right and left, and there's all this stuff going on. The Elk Foundation, we do a few projects each year in Montana, and they are the best of the best because there's a lot of reasons for that. But um, when we actually come to the table and look at a project, when I sit down with the landowner and the agencies and, and we start talking about a project, it's because it's really, really special, and it's worth working on. And this one was like that. So uh, so when you... When you uh, sit down with the landowner at the kitchen table or start talking about, you know, the, uh, the idea of the Elk Foundation helping with purchasing their land and see it going into public ownership or wherever it might end up. Um, first of all, it takes a lot of time. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a long time frame, so you're not going to get a check right away. Will the landowner give us the time to do it? And then we have to deal with appraised value because we're a nonprofit and the state and federal agencies we deal with are nonprofits. you got to know you have to have a basis for what you're going to offer and whether, you know, uh, you're, get, you're giving them a fair price and, and we're uh, buying property, you know, that uh, at a price that makes sense. So um, you have to deal with appraised values. And then there's this small thing about raising the money. You know? <laughs> uh, this money for these projects, whether you're working with state or federal partners or who, you, who you're working with, the money is very competitive. There's not a lot of money out to do these things. That's why you, you come up with the best projects possible so it can compete for the dollars. And I have to just thank uh, Dan Barrett for listening uh, through several meetings and asking a lot of great questions like, like landowners should and understanding the process. And once he understood it and once he heard from Fish Line Parks and the Forest Service and the Elk Foundation how important this could be, Dan said, okay. We'll do it. That's and cool. Dan gave us the time. He actually took it off the market, gave us a purchase option, and gave us a couple years to raise the money to do do it. Wow. And and that is amazing. <laughs> I mean, you know, he just kind of like, okay, I'm just going to put my family plans and my financial plans on hold. I'm going to put them up on the shelf, and we're just going to give you guys time to do this because he realized how important it was. Dan knows he's got a special piece of property there. This, 
he had oh gee whiz he had like around 600 acres for sale well we didn't want to buy the whole thing but we wanted to buy uh because a part of it uh, has a cabin on it you know and okay. his, his family grew up there so we didn't want we, improvements are kind of hard to buy the agencies don't want to own those and have to manage them so Dan even let us carve out 160 acres out of the northwest corner of this parcel he had for sale, and he let us uh, do a purchase option and buy 442 acres that was left. And I'm showing Shane uh, for the folks out for the folks out there. I'm showing um, Marcus a map of the property, and it's kind of a backward L shape, and the north piece part of it touches Dearborn River. And the east side of it has about a mile of Falls Creek running along it. And then the south part is about a mile that borders the Helena Lewis and Clark National Forest. So Dan even let us carve out 160 acres there with his parents' cabin on it and selling that separate so we could buy the 442 acres. So that that's that yeah that that was just that made it all possible because if he you know uh, we 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 are fast the elk foundation moves pretty fast but (laughs) you know coming up with 2.46 million dollars doesn't sound like much money today but it is a lot of money to have to raise and so that was what the appraised value was marcus 2.46 so we are raising that money now to purchase this property we've got a good start on it and um we're hoping shoot we may get lucky we've been working on it a year we may get lucky and raise enough money to buy that and finish the project uh in 2019 this year we'll see that's amazing you mentioned a couple times that this is a a perfect project or this is a phenomenal project what makes this project so awesome i can tell you that it is but for everybody listening what makes this a great project well it's location right okay everything's about location so um, I we we haven't even talked about the fishery or the wildlife values, right? Yeah. Or, or the view sheds there, or um, the fact that it's got uh, Falls Creek for fishing or Dearborn River access for rafting and boating, and um, there's a there's a mile long trail that goes along Falls Creek along the eastern side for hiking, and oh my gosh! So what? Like I said, every once in a while, a project comes up with everything. So what makes this a great project is first you start with a willing landowner. We talked about Dan and Dan making this possible, but then let's talk about the uh, the uh, wildlife habitat. So it's great. It's great wildlife habitat for elk and deer and moose and. There's grizzly bear in the area, um, you know, lots of critters, everything you'd expect of, that you'd find on the Rocky Mountain front. Um, the elk herd there um, is above a objective because if, you, if you're if you familiar with that area along the Rocky Mountain front, um, there's a lot of private land along the east side of the Forest Service boundary, and there's not a lot of access to that public lands and because of limited access to the public lands and to some of the private lands there, the elk herd is over objective there. So the fact that we could buy this property and protect the habitat is one thing, but the other thing that makes it really valuable is this property is going to open up access, now listen to this, to 40 sections of the Lewis and Clark National Forest. That (laughs) is a lot. It was opened, I think, uh, 10, 15 plus years ago, but Dan, you know, just couldn't manage the public access. And, you know, so he closed it off and people haven't really been able to get in there much uh, for a long, long time. So that's the other thing that makes this a really valuable project not only um, um, the wildlife habitat uh, but the 
access to the public lands. So what's really neat about it is the north part of this property touches the Dearborn Canyon County Road. So the road goes across it. There's a perfect place for a parking lot. And then the, the trail touches the county road. So you can jump off the county road, get on that trail, and then go about a mile along Falls Creek and then get into the public lands, the National Forest lands. So people are extremely excited about the, this project opening them up public access for everybody there. So wildlife habitat, as Brian Golly would tell you, this is a public access project. It, that, that's what this is all about. And so this is a gem of a public access project. That's what makes it so, so special. And then um, you know, you can talk about the fisheries. You've got a beautiful Falls Creek that we mentioned, you know, that runs along the eastern side. Um, not a lot of data on the fish there, but there's a lot of waterfalls there, thus the name, Falls mm -hmm. Creek, right? So the fish biologists, uh, biologists David Yurk and, and some of the others, they're excited to get in there and, ha and see this public land so they can reintroduce maybe some pure strain of cutthroat in there because those waterfalls make those nice barriers there to keep right. them from being, uh, uh, you know, crossing with other fish that might come up the stream. So that's kind of neat. But then also with that Dearborn River uh, access, there's not a lot of access on that river because as you go to the west, it crosses public, uh, private lands. As that river goes to the east, it crosses private lands. So there's not a lot of access in there. And people will be able to now, when the water's high enough, put in a boat or a raft and access the Dearborn River and go go down the Dearborn River. So that'll be really neat about it. But then, as you know, one of my favorite things about this project is the waterfall. Right. right? <laughs> it's an incredible waterfall. Yeah. You know, for the folks uh, listening, I showed a picture to Marcus of the, or a video of the waterfall. There's a, I don't know what it is, 40 or 50 foot waterfall, Falls Creek waterfall on this property. And I was telling Marcus, um, there's national parks that don't have this. No. And this is incredible. Just to take a hike up there and see this and photograph it, sit down and just spend some time, you know, uh, relaxing um, in a beautiful spot with your family or kids. It, that's just a, a great opportunity. So I got to get you up there, Marcus, to see that waterfall. I'm excited. And, and, and of course, the fly fishermen and other wolves will say that this is really neat, this access that goes along Falls Creek and then into the forest because there's a lot of pools in there that you'll get into those, uh, what do they call it, the uh, kind of the mountain pool fishing, you yep. know, where you can get into some of that high mountain pool fishing there. for And, 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 and it's just a beautiful stream there with some, with some good fisheries that I think people will really enjoy. So, yeah, I mean... Ah, what did I miss? It's just a great project. I think you hit it. Uh, you hit it just right. I, I mean, everything you you touched on is what I would have said makes this an incredible project. And just to kind of describe it for the folks, as far as an access project, this is one of the best. If you go and look at this area on a map, the the scapegoat will the scapegoat wilderness and the Helena Lewis and Clark National Forest. There's a ton of acreage, but on this east side. You, you have to go way up and around and come back down um, many, many miles through some really, really treacherous terrain or do the same thing from the bottom to get back into this Falls Creek area. And so for most people, it's just logistically not possible. Um, it's it's physically possible, but logistically, it's just not really something that most people are going to do. So this project is going to open up an incredible part of the country for people to enjoy and become passionate about and, and advocate for the permanent protection of, and, and that's just really cool. So 
I think that what makes it an awesome project. Have you ever hiked Alice Creek, Marcus? Have you been up and over to Lewis and Clark Pass up there? Um, I didn't know this, but as I got into this project, a lot of the people that are familiar with the area told me you can get into this area of the Helena Lewis and Clark National Forest from Alice Creek and the Continental Divide and get in there. And that's it. People get in there. They can take horses or hunt or get in there. But if they had snowfall behind them, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's hard to get back out. What everybody's excited about now is you can come in Alice Creek, go all the way through, and make a make a trip right over to this property and come out. Wouldn't that be fun? That would or be very go cool. the other direction and go to Alice Creek and come out. So it, and and if you were to look at the area, there's a whole uh, system of trails in there that I think people are really going to enjoy uh, enjoy it even more when it's opened up. Yeah. Uh, so one question that I've heard a lot of people ask about with this project and other project is when you purchase this land, who's going to own the land? Is RMEF going to own this land? Can you kind of clarify that for folks? That's a really good question. I want to be really clear. Two things you made me think of. Number one, the whole idea uh, behind this project is we're going to raise the money, the $2.46 million, and we've got a lot of it raised now, and I can share with you where we're at. But as soon as we get the money raised, um, we're going to buy uh, that 442 acres, and then hopefully that same day, gift it or give a bargain sale to the Forest Service. Um, so it's going to go to the Lewis and Clark National Forest. It is going to be public land, so everybody will be able to enjoy it. A lot of times on, on the projects, you know, we might get land and water conservation fund where the Forest Service or the, the can, can buy the whole uh, the property from us for the whole amount. Mm-hmm. Well, in this case, this project popped up pretty quick, so there's not a lot of land and water conservation fund to use. We do have 255,000 of land and water conservation fund identified from the Forest Service right now, so that can go into it this year. There might be other funds out there from the Forest Service and LWCF uh, this year that we're, we're waiting to identify that'll help. But, um, yeah, so... This is another great example of a, a land and water conservation fund project and how important those funds are. But yep. like I said, this happens so quick, Marcus. Forest Service doesn't have the money to take us out, so that's why we're raising the money to do it. The other important thing is there's no public access in there or across there yes, right now. That is a really good point. <laughs> and nobody can go in there and cross it just yet until the project is finished for two reasons. Number one, same re- same reason I mentioned earlier, you know, the private landowner can't manage and and really doesn't want to manage the public access in there. It's a big deal because it's a popular area. Number two, we want to get the project completed, and then we want to partner up and get it all developed for the public access, sign it, get a get a nice parking area down there by the existing corrals for horses and vehicles, You know, get some access into the Dearborn River developed, and uh, get it ready for the public right. uh, before we, so we do it right. Yeah. yeah. So, folks, just think of this as still being in private ownership until the project's complete. And then once it's complete, there's going to be a ton of amenities for folks to access it, whether you're accessing the Dearborn River to fish or you're going up into the National Forest. It's it's going to be very cool, and uh, it's exciting. We got to get you up there. I know. I need to do. I guys, I've only seen pictures of this. This is everything I'm telling you is just from pictures, and I'm this excited about it from pictures. So I I'm probably going to lose my mind when I see it boots on the ground. <laughs> I'm trying to imagine what it looks like right now in the middle of February. It's probably this gorgeous iced oh, over waterfall that's gotta be steaming up and just just beautiful. I wanted to get a winter shot of it or a winter scene of it. I haven't been up there in the winter yet. It just got cold enough the last you know month or so where it froze up. Yeah. And geez, over the holidays, uh, 
Dan Barrett was telling me, you know, geez, it's been warm over here. I don't think there's even any snow up there. Now it's probably a whole different world. Oh, it's got to be a winter wonderland for sure. Can I mention, Marcus, um, some of the uh, folks that have stepped up to help this project so far? I mean, it's when you've got a great project, boy, uh, it's it, it's uh, the, the job of raising the money, you know, gets a little bit easier. So this is you this read my mind. Amazing. That was that was literally <laughs> the next question I was going to ask you about is who's helping make this possible. Uh, well, first of all, we got the Montana Fish, Wildlife, and Conservation Trust. They uh, awarded a hundred thousand dollars last year, and then they came up with another hundred and seven thousand. So that's a great fund for Montana. And that Citizens Board and the and the, and the State Federal Joint Board uh, that oversees that that trust fund for the Montana Fish, Wildlife, and Conservation Trust. They're a great funder, and they've supported a lot of our projects. But they really stepped up with two hundred and seven thousand already. Like I mentioned, the LWCF funding with our partner, the Forest Service. The SCI chapter in Great Falls stepped up with uh, $50,000. Bass Pro, Cabela's, $70,000. You know, that's that's kind of neat. Um, the Mule Deer Foundation um, threw in 25000 so we're really happy to have them uh, partnering with us. And then the Elk Foundation has a $265,000 fundraising goal left. And... Uh, Boy, as you may have heard, oh, I know you know this because you were in there helping support this project, uh, this this application to the Lewison County Open Space Bond Program. Yep. So I appreciate your help there. Oh, yeah. Um, Happy so to do it. We put in a $1.5 million request to the Lewison Clark County Open Space Program uh, here in, in Helena. And we're keeping our fingers crossed. Uh, they just finished the 30-day public comment period, so I think the county is working through due diligence and all the all the uh, uh, details of the project, and then soon, hopefully, we'll get back and and hear whether the county commissioners will support the project and 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 with how much. So that is a huge part. And That's boy, talk about another um, uh, indication of a a good project or what is a good project when you when you ask that question it's located in a county with an open space bond program yeah that's Holy cow. that's a huge win that made it just really a perfect location for that too so if we if we get a, a sizable support from the lewis and clark county open space program you know we could be pretty much close to the finish line but uh, we're going to need a lot of their help we'll see what happens so fingers crossed we get that open space bond money what's left in the project what do we have to get um what do we still have to fundraise to get this project completed if we came up with um uh, a sizable say a uh, million dollars from lewis and clark county open space mm-hmm. i think we still have 265 300,000 dollars left to raise to finish it gotcha yeah so that's pretty doggone good that's pretty doable you know? and you know what's exciting is we're already envisioning having the funds raised. Uh, you know how you just yeah. you start getting excited. <laughs> having the funds raised uh, this spring, early summer, and be able to open up, have a celebration for all the partners and the Army of members and supporters and the member, members of uh, the citizens of Lewis and Clark County, your listeners, anybody that wants to come, come and celebrate this epic project right before hunting season starts <laughs> so anyway <laughs> no pressure be, there there's gonna be a lot of orange hats <laughs> yeah that's right good idea yeah. that's the colors to wear that's yeah. the color you wear to the ball that's right <laughs> <laughs> so if folks want to help make this project happen what can average joe and jane do to help you get this project off the ground 
That's a really good question. Thanks for asking it. Um, they can contact myself, Mike Mueller, at uh, mmueller, M-M-U-E-L-L-E-R, at rmef.org. Um, or you can contact Brian Anderson, B. Anderson, at rmef.org. Um, or call 1-800-CALL-ELK and ask for the Lands Department, and they'll direct you uh, to myself or Brian. Um, so that's how the, if people are interested in donating, um, you can donate a lot of different ways. Um, you can, uh, you can donate to the project in general. Um, if you donate $2,500 or more, you become a Habitat partner and you can restrict your donation just to this project because, um, that way you know your money is going right to pay for the project. Um, and then of course, through the chapter banquets, the one right here in Helena, the one in Great Falls, you can come to those banquets and support those chapters and those fundraising banquets because those funds are also used for projects like this. And if you become a Habitat partner at those banquets, you can restrict the dollars uh, through the through the chapter there towards completing this project. So there's a whole bunch of different ways, and we're sure we're sure thankful for all the support from uh, members and volunteers like yourself, Marcus, and all the others across this part of the state and the folks that support the chapters and go to the banquets out there. That's what makes these things possible. Perfect. So all that will be in the show notes, guys, so you can just look down below and get all that, the contact information for Mike and Brian and the phone number. It'll all be down there. And something else, too, that's going to be cool is I don't know if um, you've looked on Onyx. You can see all the completed projects. For RMEF, they show up with a little pin and the areas highlighted in RMEF red. I'm looking forward to the day when this area is highlighted on my Onyx map as a completed project. That's going to be pretty darn cool to see. And uh, so once once this is done, you folks will be able to see that on there as well, which will be be awesome. Um, shoot, I anything else people should know about this project that we haven't covered? I think we gave it a pretty good once over. Yeah, no, I think we uh, we covered everything um, pretty thoroughly there, Marcus. I really appreciate uh, you inviting me in to yeah. to share this 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 epic. I call it an epic historic project. Um, and uh, the only thing I would say is we're really pleased to be working with all the partners I mentioned earlier, and especially especially the Lewis and Clark uh, Helena Lewis and Clark National Forest. They're they're great great folks and they're great amazing. professionals. Um, it's a good forest. The Fish Line Parks has been wonderful, and just you just got so much excitement from yeah. all these folks. You know, it's going to be fun to dress up in your hunter orange um, tuxedo and come <laughs> to the celebration. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, we've already said this, but we can't thank the landowner enough. I mean, Dan and his family have just been phenomenal, and they they have their choice of people to sell the land to, and they they could. Um, they could have picked anybody else, but they chose to put it into um, something that's going to do a lot of good for a lot of people for generations to come. So that is yes. uh, very commendable. Uh, I guess last question I have for you, um, and I ask this of, of a lot of my guests, what's something that you would share with folks um, that you've learned from your life in the outdoors? That's a great question. I really appreciate that. And I would answer it this way. In a world that seems to... Uh, be going crazy mm-hmm. in a lot of ways yep <laughs> there is no better way to uh i would say recenter your life and uh or your family or your priorities or your health or your 
your spiritual, um, the place you're at spiritually, as to get out and enjoy um, God's creation out there. Yeah. I mean, the f- when the fact that we live in a place like this where you can you can go out and you can sit next to a stream or a waterfall like in Falls Creek. You can sit and uh, you can go to the cross. You can go to the top of the Lewis and Clark Pass, and just a ima- which is right down the you know the the divide right down the Continental Divide from this project just yep. down the road. Um, and that reminds me of another project that we should talk about someday: Green Mountain uh, and that project that we should be completing this this year, which is right it. below Lewis and Clark Pass. But what I was going to say, Marcus, the fact that you can go up on the top of Lewis and Clark Pass or sit next to this waterfall and realize that for thousands of years, people have been walking through here, hunting, camping, spending time with their families. The first peoples did it, and now we get the opportunity to do it. It, The outdoors is just such a great way to uh, just realize that you're something, you're you're part of something so much bigger, you know, uh, like I said, we live in God's country, and we're just lucky to be here. And so um, when I need to recenter my life, it's easy to do because we have so much great public land and so much great, yeah. uh, so many great outdoors out here to go do it in, you know. Man, I couldn't have said it better myself. <coughs> Mike, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate everything that you do for elk country, for public access, and for the people of Montana and this this great country. So thanks for coming on. Really appreciate it. My pleasure, Marcus. Thank you very much. Well, that's a wrap. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, go leave me a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Follow Urban to Country on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and sign up for the Urban to Country newsletter on our website. In closing, I wanted to quote Henry David Thoreau. Thoreau said, All good things are wild and free. Please remember to do your part to make sure our wild places and our wild creatures are here for generations to come. And until next time, go out there and make life epic.